Have you ever been looking for the perfect gift? I reckon Isaac had been looking for the perfect ring, hadn't you, Isaac? You know all about that. Uh, you sort of give an engagement ring to someone, you want it to be good, don't you? You don't just go down to the uh, reject shop and buy a cheapo ring. Uh, that doesn't work. You've got to find something good and you look at all designs and you get some information and hopefully uh, even uh, Megan helps. But the ring's important. It's like Christmas. If you're going to give a gift to just anyone, well, it can be anything. But if it's someone really close, really important to you, you take more time on selecting the gift, on what it's going to be. You want to think, well, what's going to, what's going to be good for them? You start thinking about them and, and what they enjoy and, and what would make them happy. And you put more of your thoughts into a gift to someone who's important to you, who's valuable to you, than you would otherwise. It's the same with relationships. All relationships are like that. The more a person is in a relationship important to us, the more we know them, the more we think about them, the more careful we are in how we respond to them. And what creates that strong bond in a relationship? We're looking at that tonight because Christmas is all about relationships. Uh, we always, at Christmas time, I know I do, anyone, most people do, they try and gather with family or friends and, and have some celebration and, and dinners and, and parties and relax and holidays with them. Christmas is about gathering around people who are important to you. And there can be ones at work and there becomes ones with sporting groups and there's lots of other uh, relational activities happening at Christmas time where you're celebrating with people. And if you've got a relationship for someone you've known for many, many years, perhaps from childhood or teenage years or, or just over a long period of time, you've done things with them, you've had holidays with them, they've been in your house, you know them really well, that's the sort of relationship that's a very strong relationship. And it's the same relationship when a man and a woman are married. They enter into a strong relationship together. What creates that perfect bond, though, in a relationship? We're going to look at that tonight because the relationship needs to have a bond and a strong bond. Life that we have tests out our relationships. And we're going to look at that tonight. First of all, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Therefore is God's chosen people holy and dearly loved. He's going to go on to talk about our relationships in a moment. But he's starting off. The starting point is we are God's chosen people. Uh, God has called us to him. Uh, God has reached out and uh, made known to us Jesus Christ and Paul caused us by his spirit working us to respond to him. His spirit has convicted us of our sin. We've seen Jesus dying for us, who he is, and we responded. We're God's chosen people. And now we've got a status of holy and dearly loved. Holy means not something religious, but, but set apart, belonging to God. Uh, we're holy people. We belong to God. We're in the family of God. We've been adopted as sons and daughters by God who's chosen us. And we're dearly loved. Uh, God's love is seen clearly in John chapter 3, verse 16. God so loved the world, he did something, didn't he? He didn't have a feeling. He didn't look up far off and say, oh, look at those poor guys. He did something. He had an amazing plan and a costly plan. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God gave us Jesus. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. God giving his son to us. And so we are dearly loved. There's nothing greater God could have done for us. God gave us the most precious thing he had, his son, to come and live among us and then to die on the cross to save us. And this is the starting point of what Paul's writing. You are chosen people, you're holy and dearly loved. And then he says, clothe yourself. 
with five virtues he's going to talk about. The idea of clothing yourself is now you need to put these on. You need to be seen to be living in this way. Our clothings make a statement because I go around shopping. I mean, I've had to do a bit of shopping. It's Christmas time, things coming up. And you just go to the shops and in the crowds, uh, you can go into some places like Woolworths and Coles. You see people in particular uniforms. In Coles, it's red. Woolworths, it's green uniforms. Um, you go into the bank. They're in bank uniforms. You go to the post office. They're wearing a post office uniform. You go into some KFC and McDonald's have a uniform. You go into some restaurants and coffee shops have a uniform. You see uniforms lots of places. Yeah, you know, police, fire brigade, emergency service, you see uniforms. And that clothing, that uniform tells you who they belong to, what they do. You actually can straight away judge what they can do for you. Clothing can do that. Clothing can also indicate uh, what we're on about, whether we're going to do some work around the garden and in our grubby clothes, whether we've got our pyjamas on going to bed, whether we've got swimmers on going for swim, uh, whether we uh, get our best clothes on, we're going out somewhere, whether we're doing some cooking, got an apron on, uh, whether we've got sporting clothes on, gym clothes on. Clothing can tell about what we're doing. So clothing can sort of signify who you belong to with a group as a uniform or it can actually signify what you're doing. And here we're told to clothe ourselves, not to put this stuff on, but to clothe ourselves with five virtues. As God's chosen people, as people belonging to God, we don't have to dress in orange or any other particular colour. We have to put on these virtues. These are what matters to God. Look what they are. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. You see, these are much more important than mere clothes these are much more important than some other distinctive thing about it because these things are going to impact all our relationships. And people are going to be pleasantly surprised and encouraged and warmed to these five virtues. Look at them. Compassion. A compassion means to uh, a God of all compassion. He calls us to be like him. And to be like God, to have compassion means you care for, you understand, and you do something to help people. And God does that because he knows us. He knows each and every one of us better than we know ourselves. In fact, Jesus said he knows the number of hairs on our head. He knows intricate little details about us that we don't bother to know because we don't know them and we can't know them and they're too small. But God knows them. So God knows you and me, he knows everything about us and because he knows, he then can then care for us in a way that's going to help us, a way that's going to be best for us. He also is a God who knows what's going to happen in the future so we can know how to fit into that too. But how do we have the compassion of God? How do we get to know things about people? How do we get to understand, I mean, I can see people here tonight, I can recognise you, but how do we get to know what's going on in here? What your week's been like? What your day's been like? What, what you're looking forward or what are you expecting to happen tomorrow? Now, how do we get to know that? At our church camp, Michael, our speaker, helped us with that, didn't he? He told us about four things that can be helpful to talk to people about to get to know them better, to understand what's going on with them, to build your relationship with them. Because you've got to have a relationship to show compassion. You've got to have that knowledge to care. And those four things were, what's first one was F, family. Second one O, occupation, what they occupy them. Third one R, religion. And fifth, the fourth one is E, expectation. 
So get to know their family, what's going on, where they live, who, you know, what's happening in their life as a family. Get to know um, what they do to occupy their time. Yeah, they're home, are they work, what are they, what's occupying them, what are they doing? Um, get to know their religion, what they think about God, church, where they stand about Jesus and the Bible, all those sort of things. Expectation, what they're expecting to happen. Like, what are you expecting to happen tonight? What are you expecting to happen tomorrow or the next day? Is life meeting your expectations? And if not, why not? Those sort of questions. Find out how are people travelling. And once you find out that, then you can look at, well, okay, what can I do to show I care? How can I care for them? That's what compassion does. Compassion knows, understands, and then acts in a way that helps them. And then the acting way is kindness. Acting in goodness with generosity doing things that are good to people and being generous, not just a little bit, but really generous like God's generous to us. Compassion, kindness, humility. As you do this, you're putting aside your own needs. You're really wanting there to be serving the other person and encouraging and helping the other person. You're secondary in this. Compassion, kindness, humility. Gentleness is the fourth thing. And this is not to be confused with being weak. In fact, to be gentle, you're going to bear another person's burden. You're going to be strong as a lion and gentle as a lamb. Being gentle, but helping people as you do that. And the fifth thing, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. It's going to take time. All relationships take time. We've got to be patient. And sometimes people are on and off, hot and cold, up and down, and we've just got to bear with them and we've got to be patient with them. We've got to be there for people. Be reliable, be constant, and they will respond. And so if we clothe ourselves with these five virtues, that's going to make an impact on everyone around us. Everyone. Every relationship we have needs these five things. All our relationships will be tested and things that test our relationships can be things like physical and mental health because physically if you're tired and run down, uh, that affects your mind. If you get stressed about things, obviously that's affecting your mind. If you've got health issues, if you're not sleeping well, if the weather's too hot, you've got a poor diet, all those sort of things leave you with little or no energy. They affect you physically but they also affect you in your mind. And it's hard to give out in relationships if you're like that. So physical and mental sort of health, social factors too. Sometimes, and particularly right now, I'm talking to a lot of people, a lot of people saying the same thing, there's so many demands on their time and energy right now, they've just got little time for anything. They're just rushing here, rushing there. And it's hard to have quality of their relationships when you're just going bang, bang, bang all over the place. Do you ever feel like you're chasing your tail? And that was something that's developed. The dogs do that. I had a friend in um, uh, when I was up Bundanoon. A friend bought this uh, beautiful German Shepherd dog, all this pedigree, and he was training up this dog and doing some really great training with it. It was a really responsive dog. And then it developed this bad habit of chasing its tail. I thought, oh, look, we'll get, get out of this, you know. And he tried, didn't work, and he, he got some advice, didn't work, and he ended up going to a dog psychologist. And it didn't work. And this wasn't just take, chasing his tail sometimes. When he was leading it, it was kept trying to turn around and chase his tail, and it wouldn't necessarily do that. But as soon as off the leader, it chased his tail, go around, 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 until it collapsed exhausted. 
And then it get up and it chased its tail, ran around until it collapsed its In the end, it wasn't eating and drinking. It was just wearing itself out. This dog was in a real mess. It just was unbalanced up here, but it was chasing its tail. In the end, it had to get the dog put down. There was no other solution. The dog was so poor health and so distressed and they just couldn't stop it. And I'm thinking, really? But I see human beings like that too. I see people who get so worked up about trivial things and just chasing around after them and after them after them and just wrecking themselves. Let's not let that happen to us. Because once we start chasing our tail, we don't have any relationships. We're looking about ourselves. We're all focused on what's going on with us and our relationships around us are just going to suffer. Our relationships sometimes need lubrication. I live in an old house and we've got some really old doors there and particularly the weather we have when it's wet and so forth, uh, sometimes the old hinges over there uh, get a bit stiff and get a bit creaky and I can get in trouble because um, you know, Trudy can be asleep in the, and I get up in the morning I'll get up and go down and have breakfast have a cup of coffee I'll get up before she does I open the door and go Neah! oh no I'm in trouble now you know? uh, and, and also if you don't fix it not only does it make a really bad noise um, but in, in the end they can stiffen up and you can have really great problems with the doors even break the hinges if they get that bad but it's really easy to fix a bit of penetrating all fixed really easy to fix all it needs is a little bit of lubrication. Well, these five virtues we're talking about tonight, uh, compassion, uh, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, these are just really good oil for our relationship. They'll help lubricate our relationship. They'll help take the rough spots out, the irritating spots out of all our relationships. Also, I was watching the cricket and I saw a, a, the Pakistani captain hitting balls and he got hit on the elbow. Oh, must have hurt him with a ball. You know, he's clutching his elbow. The next minute the physio guy runs on and looks at the elbow and goes, Psh, bit of a magic spray. It's an it's a ice spray. It just numbs the, the pain. But it works really effectively. And a lot of people use that for sporting injuries. Uh, they're really great. Also, if you've ever had a sting and you use stingos, a spray you put on your sting, that works really well too. Those sort of instant ways of numbing and taking away the pain and helping you recover, um, these five virtues do the same sort of thing because what they do is they calm us down, they help us to refocus on the relationship perspective of life and not ourselves and they'll help in the healing process of any injured relationships. These five things are really good for relationships. goes on in verse 13 to talk about relationships always aren't going to be perfect. He says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. He's saying bear with each other because he knows that there's going to be problems in relationships. They're not going to go right. We're sinful people. Other people are sinful people. We just sometimes just can't get on. It just all meshes and goes mess. And so we have to bear with one another. We have to bear with one another when we're having bad days, and particularly if we're both having bad days, it's just not going to work. And we've got to not just bear with one another, we've got to forgive. So if something goes wrong, we don't want to harbour it and become bitter and angry and resentful with other people because that poisons us, that poisons our relationship with them and all other relationships too. So we need to forgive as God forgives us. I don't know about you, but I find that the best way to do that is to pray about it to God. Pray out to him, remembering and thanking him for forgiving me and then asking me, him to help me to forgive other people. I find when I do that, it just starts to soften that 
problem straight away. What about you? And look at what it says in verse 14. It's looking at our relationships. It's talking about these five virtues that are so important. It talks about bearing and forgiving. And then it comes in verse 14. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. And remember what the Bible says about love. The Bible says that, that, that God loves us. And Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 13, Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. The love that we see in the Bible is a self-sacrificing love, other person-centered love, not looking at yourself, but looking at the other person. What can I do for them? What needs to be done for them? It has compassion. It acts on all those five virtues. And love is going to bind everything together in the right direction in aiming to address and serve and help the other person that you're loving. And this love that we're going to give or we're told to give is not going to come from surplus time and energy. It's going to come from the best we have. Because that's what God did to us. He gave us the best. He didn't just give us some secondary plan. He gave us the best plan, Jesus dying for us. And our love's called to be the same, to give people the best we can in loving them. So Paul will say in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God demonstrates his love for us in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. That sort of love doesn't look at the other person saying, well, what's lovely about them and, and why should I love them and, and, and why, what, what am I going to benefit from doing love to them? It doesn't ask any of those questions. Because God looks at us and sees we're sinners, sees we're hopeless, we're lost, we're, we're, there's nothing to be gained from us at all, but he still loves us. And we're told to have that same sort of love for everyone else around us. doesn't matter who they are, how old they are, where they come from, what they're like, we're to love them. These five virtues, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, bring them all together and we're going to have a bond that's going to make the perfect present and an enduring present that's going to just keep on keeping on as the greatest gift of all, the perfect bond in all our relationships. It's Christmas, we think about relationships. We think about God's relationship with us. We think about all the gatherings we're having over Christmas with family and friends. We, we think about the presents we've got to buy or the presents we're going to see given. But what's the most important gift that we can give to others? These five virtues surrounded with love. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. And all surrounded with love, a love that's going to care for them, serve them, protect them, do what's best for them. Let me pray. God, you set a high standard. You amaze us with the generosity, the magnitude of your love for us. You have these five virtues complete in you. Help us to see the importance of them. Help us to see the importance if we're really going to be loving one another. Help us to see we need to have these five virtues. Help us be mindful of them. And Lord, when we have to find our relationships are tense or challenged, help us to bear with people, even help us to forgive when things are done wrong to us. Forgive as you forgive. Father, we pray that we might have strengthening 
improving relationships this Christmas and forever or more. We pray, Father, that you would just help us be motivated by your relationship with us. We pray in Jesus' name.